Hi, and welcome to On Location, the podcast brought to you by the Brown Real Estate Group, where we talk about location as it relates to real estate. I'm Rob Lobb, and with me, as always, is Melody Brown. Bonjour, Melody. Bonjour, tout le monde. Today, we would like to discuss the recent November ballot result, which are likely to impact real estate. Starting with San Francisco result, and then the state result, with a deep dive into California's Prop 19. We're going to start by San Francisco and talking about preposition H, I, J, and K. So stay tuned. If you're not from San Francisco, we're going to do things that will affect real estate throughout the state. First, let's talk about Proposition H, Neighborhood Commercial District and Sinky Permitting. Shall the city change planning code for Neighborhood Commercial District to increase allowed use, eliminate public notification for new use, and require a faster process for permit? So this one did pass, a little over 60%. In a nutshell, it's saying, should the city planning code be changed to allow faster acceptance of more general uses? This has always been an issue with the city getting things approved and all that. So for these neighborhood commercial districts, for example, along Lombard Street, Mm -hmm. um, all those corridors where you see shops and things like that, probably not a bad thing to have some form of expediting that in in the way of getting things accomplished. 60% of voters thought that would be a good idea. Another one which passed with nearly 60% was the real estate transfer tax. Yes. uh, Proposition I. Yes. Uh, Proposition I is the real estate transfer tax, which would increase the transfer tax rate on sale and list of 35 years or more of real estate to 5.50% of those transactions of 10 million to 25 million and to 6% on those transactions of 25 million or more. Right. So that was basically to increase revenue to the city. Yeah. Kind of seen as a tax on the rich. When you sell a property, uh, you do pay a transfer tax here in the city. Now, if you sell a property over 10 million or over 25 million, there are different rates in those categories. Previously, there was a, a difference at 1 million. So they're just sort of creating this tiered structure. The more expensive the property, the higher percentage you're going to pay. Great. And now let's talk about Proposition J. Proposition J was a parcel tax for San Francisco Unified School District and Esquire Unnecessary. That's true. So it replaces the 2018 parcel tax for the San Francisco Unified School District with a new tax. That previous tax rate was $320 per parcel. It's now decreased to 288 per parcel. But what's interesting is that 320 has actually been held up in the courts since it was mm-hmm. enacted. And so money from that hasn't actually been able to be distributed and the city has been using other funds to make up for that, but they're kind of running out. So this was a ballot to sort of clear that, have something that they can say, okay, we can get the money, we can distribute it, we can put all that other court stuff behind us, 288 per parcel, a little break, then it gets adjusted for inflation. Each year. Right. And there is an exemption for people 65 or older. Yeah. The nice thing about this, there is also... A component of this that'll go towards teacher salaries, uh, an increase in teacher salaries, which great 
Yeah, good thing in a city where affordability can be quite an issue, especially affordable housing and such. Yeah. And Proposition K was also, I think, the last one we're going to talk about, but that was actually on affordable housing. Yeah, exactly. Talking about affordable housing, it shows its nose. That one was, should the city have the authority to own or create, purchase, rehab up to 10,000 units of low-income rental housing? Basically, do the voters want the city to get involved as a property owner mm-hmm. uh, to create and develop and construct low-income housing? So that one passed. Yeah. And with this uh, affordable housing rehabilitate uh, by the city of San Francisco, do you think there would be a program for homelessness or to who are going to go those low-income rental? Don't know exactly wh- where mm-hmm. they're putting that, but generally when, when they refer to a lower income, it's going to be similar to things like the below market rate housing program, Okay, where people are actually making what would be in, in some other places uh, a decent amount of money. But because of the cost of housing in San Francisco and the cost of living in San Francisco, that might not be enough. But it is kind of a bigger question of should the city get involved? Yeah. It's more of a, should that be controlled by the city or should it be done by non-profits? Uh, uh, non-profits, non sorry. Because there's such an affordability crisis in the city, mm-hmm. a lot of people felt that this is going to be a good thing. On paper, it looks good. You know, we'll see how it goes. This is kind of saying, okay, the city is going to take initiative to do that, which which could be good. Uh, of course, that money's got to come from somewhere, and some of that might be from that real estate transfer tax on the mm, more expensive the properties, yeah. so Proposition yeah. I. So, you know, taking some of the taxes gained from that. Be more equalitarian then. Right. So a transfer of wealth, I guess, is sure. sort of what they're looking to do. Mm-hmm. Now that we're ready to talk about all of the new state results, we're going to talk about Proposition 21, Proposition 15, and Proposition 19. Let's talk about Proposition 21 first. Proposition 21 is about red control. It's something that we already have here locally in San Francisco and in various cities nationwide. While Proposition 21 did not pass, Rob, do you know what are the implications of this? Right. So it's not the first time that rent control has been on the ballot statewide, and it probably won't be the last. Uh, In fact, in 2018, Proposition 10 was on the ballot, and that would have allowed local governments to adopt rent control on any type of rental housing. Basically, San Francisco or Berkeley... Santa Monica, these places that already have rent control could expand that. Mm-hmm. 59% of voters rejected it then, and 59, almost 60% rejected it now. Yeah. The main difference with Prop 21 was it would have allowed the local governments to make residential properties over 15 years old mm-hmm. eligible for rent control. So instead of saying... Uh, rent control on any type of residential housing, they're saying over 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So both Proposition 10 in 2018 and Proposition 21 last year were an attack on Costa Mm -hmm. Hawkins, which limits rent control. I believe the major backer behind Prop 21 has already said they will raise this again in the future. 
we will discuss the controversial issue rent control in more depth in the future. Now let's move on to Prop 19 and Prop 15. Both deal with property tax, but they were received really differently. First of all, Prop 15 did not pass. Right, and Prop 15 would have affected the way that commercial property was assessed, likely resulting in higher commercial property taxes. And, you know, it's a tough time right now with the pandemic for commercial real estate. Yes. Lots of vacancies, storefronts and such. So probably a good thing uh, in that sense that it did not pass. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially, Prop 15 would have allowed commercial property to be reassessed at market value on a regular basis without a resale, which we'll kind of get into as we talk about Prop 19, because we're going to have to go back in time and talk a little bit about Prop 13 to sort of understand where 19 came from. So Rob, as you know, I'm French. I've been living in California for three years now, uh, but I, there's still things I don't know about it. Would a brief history help the listener understand how property taxes works in California? Well, that's a important thing. You know, I'm from New York originally, uh, and pretty much everywhere you go, you're going to find property taxes are assessed in different ways. So in California, Prop 13, which was passed back in 1978, wow. is essentially a limit on California property taxes at 1%. Now, that is 1% of the assessed value. And how the value of a property is assessed, again, varies depending on where you are. In California, it's based on market value. You will not see that everywhere. For example, in New York, an assessed value is not necessarily market value. And then the percentage is going to be different. Uh, at the end of the day, though, the, this whole Prop 13 was brought about because people were unhappy with their local school districts and how monies were being spent and such. And so instead, they ended up making it more of a state issue. And there's all kinds of arguments that you could make about that, like unintended consequences, such as now the school districts go to Sacramento, the state capital, to lobby for bonds instead of the local school boards and voting and all that. But we won't go all the way there, but we will talk about some unintended consequences. So the, the two components of Prop 13 was it limited the tax rate to 1% of the assessed value, and it changed how properties were assessed, changing it to when a change of ownership occurs, the mm -hmm. real property would be reassessed based on that sale price, its current market value as of the date of that transfer. Can you explain to us what happens if a partial change in ownership occurs? The part ownership that you have retained does not change. Mm -hmm. Now, that interest that you're selling, well, that's going to bring a reassessment to that percentage of the property. Mm -hmm. Similarly, with new construction, it's reassessed at the current market value when that construction is complete, but it's not going to change the value of the actual land for that property. Uh -huh. uh, if you add on a room, a bathroom, they will reassess that added value. But again, keeping your already what, what would be a lower basis over time as property values tend to go up. And that's really where Prop 19 comes into play, because uh -huh. it was all about the portability of your tax base. 
who do we talk about here? Do we talk about uh, real estate people? Do we talk about an appraiser? Who gives the value of the property? So the tax assessor's office is the local municipality that is going okay. to make that judgment. Now, again, they're they're taking that value based on the market sale price. So there's not... In, in some other places, they'll actually go out and, and they'll say, okay, you know, we're going to assess it based on this because it has this and whatever. It's not based on a sale price. But here they're basically saying it's public record. This is the mm-hmm. sale price. This is what we're going to use as an assessed value in California. Okay. Uh, and I was recently on a Zoom meeting with the assessor uh, for San Francisco, Carmen Chu, and, and she did a great job of answering questions. Uh, we'll link to the assessor's office in the show notes. And she did also mention that even her office and the similar offices in the other Mm -hmm. areas, they're still waiting on guidance from the State Board of Equalization. So this is a very new proposition. Uh, Things are changing on a regular basis, but this is kind of what we know today. So Rob, how does Prop 19 impact Prop 13? That's a great question. Prop 19 changes the portability of your tax base, as well as the ways in which the properties can be reassessed. That first part, the portability of your tax base, is your assessed value. You can take it with you when you buy a new home, generally keeping your taxes lower. And this this is, we'll, we'll talk about who is eligible for that. But the other thing is this way in which property can be reassessed, I think a lot of people are not aware of. We're also going to talk about that because that could really impact your estate planning or just real estate planning in general. Before you need to be 55 plus or disabled, now you need to be 55 plus or severally disabled or a victim of wildfire and natural disaster. Right. So generally opening it up a little bit. In fact, this was called the wildfire and natural disaster relief or Mm -hmm. or something that was built into the title of the proposition. So the idea being that this does open it up a bit to who is eligible. And then it goes on to expanding where you can actually transfer Mm -hmm. that basis to. So before you could only do that uh, within the same county. Now the replacement residence is anywhere in California. Not only can it be anywhere in California, but it can also apply to a broader range of pricing. Yes. The new law is any value amount above 100% is added to the transferred value. Right. So before, your property had to be equal or less than the original property. So you're taking your tax basis for whatever that property is, the market value today when you sell it. That sets the limit of what you could purchase. Now, you could purchase a property that is more expensive, but you will add that anything above that amount to yes. your tax base. But again, a broader area, a broader price point, and also increasing the number of times you could do this. Yes, before you could only do it once per lifetime. Now, with the new law, it's up to three times. Oh, good stuff, right? I mean, Prop 19 (laughs) is just a total win, right? (laughs) Sounds like it. Right, so it's not, and we'll talk about that. But first, we'll do a quick scenario. Yes. Um, So we've got a homeowner. They're over 55, 
and they're selling their primary residence for a million dollars. Now, again, the current market value, which is that million, Mm -hmm. is going to be different than their assessed value. Their assessed value is from when they purchased it. So let's say they bought it a while ago and it was Mm -hmm. 500,000 at that time. Now they go out and they buy a replacement home for 900,000. They're going to take that 500, their original tax property tax base. Yes. And they're going to keep it. There's not going to be any change. And increase. Right. No increase in property taxes. So they they're keeping that low rate. They're able to make a move without any penalty and and it's all good, right? Yes. Similar uh, scenario. Let's say they bought a more expensive home. So sold their place at a million, original tax base of 500. Now they're buying a place at one, two. Well, you couldn't do that in the past. But now under Prop 19, you can. And what they will do is they will take that 200,000 that you're over the million that you sold your home for and add that to your 500 base. So your 500 becomes 700 and you still get a deal. You're not paying taxes on the full 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. So the portability of your tax base for certain group is expended as those groups are involved. This helps relieve some tax burden when moving. However, there are consequences of Prop 19 though. Maybe not so obvious. Can you talk about it, Rob? I think this was sold largely as portability. I mean, that was kind of what people thought they were voting on. They may not have really realized what was deeper into all of that. Uh, And that is essentially a change to the way property can be reassessed now on transfer of property from parent to child. We have to go back to Prop 58. California loves their propositions. 1986? Wow. We were driving Mustang 5.0s. I was driving nothing. And uh, <laughs> lots of hairspray. For sure. <laughs> Prop 58 created a parent-child exclusion from reassessment. Mm-hmm. The parent could transfer their residence, the home that they live in, to a child mm-hmm. without reassessment, uh, regardless of the value of the property. And there were no restrictions on the use of that property. The parent could transfer the property to the child, mm-hmm. and the child could keep that same tax base that the parent had. The property would not be reassessed, and they could you know, rent it out or do whatever they wanted with it. Mm-hmm. They could move into it. They could do whatever. They could also transfer up to a million dollars in assessed value of properties other than their principal residence. Mm-hmm. For example, a rental property without reassessment. It allowed intergenerational wealth and real estate to transfer without increasing a tax burden. Yes. So this is kind of the part that we're really coming up against right now. February 16th is when this comes into effect. Two weeks. Right. So not a lot of time. And if any of this applies to you, if you've got some estate planning, things like that, you know, you're going to want to pay attention. So before Prop 19, you could transfer principal residence between parents to children without a reassessment, regardless of value. Right. And so now there's a limit on that. And we'll talk about how that gets reassessed. 
Before it was no restriction on use of property after transfer. Right. So now the person receiving that property must use it as their principal residence. Before you could transfer up to a million in assets value of property over from principal residence, rental property, without reassessment. Right. And under the new law, again, effective February 16th, only the principal residence is eligible. So this eliminates that exclusion for any other real property. All right. Now that we talked in theory, let's throw some scenarios at each other to help people understand what it does in practice. That's great. So let's give it a go. Hit me with scenario number one. Here we go. First scenario. Let's say that at the time of the transfer, the assets value of parent principal residence is 1.5. The market value is 1.8. After transfer, the child moving to the property as their principal residence. What's going to happen, Rob? So this does qualify because the child is moving into the property as their principal residence. They get that $1 million added to their assessed value. Now we look at the assessed value versus market value. That market value is only 300000 higher than the assessed value. So it's within that million that you get as a buffer. So therefore, there's no property tax increase in this case. Great. Let's go ahead with scenario number two, who's going to be a little bit more tricky. Once again, at the time of the transfer, the asset value of parent principal residence is 1.5. However, this time the market value is at 3 million. After transfer, the child move into the property of the principal residence. What would happen there? Okay, so again, child's moving in, so it qualifies. But now we have a market value that's double yes. the principal residence. More importantly, the market value is greater than a million more than the assessed value. You've got your 1.5 assessed value. You've got your 1 million buffer Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. So you add those together, you get 2.5 million. But your market value is 3 million, giving you a difference of 500,000. So that 500,000 will be added to your original, your parents' tax basis Mm -hmm. of 1.5. And you end up with a $2 million tax basis. Not getting taxed on the full $3 million, you still get some benefit. Your taxes are going to go from about 15000 a year to 20000 as opposed to 30000 if it was at the full market value. Mm-hmm. So you're still saving some, but not as much as you would have prior to Prop 19. All right. Let's go with scenario number three. Still the same in the fact that at the time of the transfer, the asset value of the parent principal resident is 1.5. The market value is 3 million. However, after the transfer, the child does not want to move into the property. What is it going to change? So here we don't even need to really do any math because the child did not move in. They no longer qualify. Now today, as we record this, that would qualify. But effective February 16th, when Prop 19 comes into effect, that no longer qualifies. And so they're going to have a property tax increase from 15000 a year to 30000 which is the, the full market value of that $3 million. If you're thinking about estate planning, do you have a small window in which to potentially act and take care of some of these transitions? 
And now, last but not least, scenario number four. At the time of the transfer, the asset value of the parent's rental property is 1.5. The market value is 3 million. What happened here? Well, that's good that you kind of Emphasize. called out the rental property. Yeah, you emphasize that because now the rental property no longer is eligible for any exclusion. In the past, it was up to a million. Now you got nothing from it. So this is not eligible. Your assessed value is going to go up to the full market value. So these last uh, two scenarios really highlight why you may want to consider transferring property if you intend to keep it in the family. You're going to want to look at what's the value of the property. Will it be affected? What's the use of the property? What's the intended use of the property? And you may want to transfer that property prior to February 16th. And of course, that's coming up pretty quickly. All right. Let me ask you one last question that is in everybody's uh, lips. Should everyone transfer property before the 16th of February? Because it would be the deadline of when Proposition 19 will be in effect. Don't just go ahead and do it today because you're afraid of the change in tax basis. I mean, you really need to look at the bigger picture. And in order to do that, you want to take into a, in a, into account that there's going to be other financial and tax implications. Other taxes, such as income taxes and all that, will be affected as well. So your property tax is one expense, but it's not the only one. Yes. You know, and the other thing is for, for parents, you know, consider the property rights. You know, when, when you transfer the property of your child who hopefully you really like and have child. a great relationship <laughs> with and all that. But, you know, those property rights transfer along with some of the financial and tax implications. And so are you ready to do that? It's not something that you really want to do lightly. So I would say, you know, go get professional help. And I'm not talking about accountant. a psychiatrist. <laughs> right. call, call your accountant. Uh, talk to a real estate lawyer, see what they recommend. Look at these scenarios that we talked about. Yeah, and see if you can fit in one of them. If you already know and fit, maybe it's going to be easier to, to know what the next step would be. Right. And again, our scenario only focused on the tax basis. Yes. So while it is generally a, a negative in terms of you're likely to pay more taxes for property taxes, there's there's other things that are going to factor into that in terms of your other costs, your other taxes. So understand what the big picture is. And the only way to really get that, like you said, is, is to talk to your accountant. For sure. Don't start something and then be in a mess for nothing. Well said. Well, we certainly dove into a lot of things. I think we've covered a lot. Yes, we did. I want to thank the assessor's office for an, a very informative uh, Zoom meeting the other day. So these scenarios and, and some of the other stuff that we talked about came out of that. We're going to link to the San Francisco assessor's office, uh, as well as the Board of Equalization in our show notes. Yes. If you're in one of these potential situations, don't wait long to talk to your accountants and or lawyers about it. Time is ticking. 
if you have any questions, if we can help, we're here. You can send out your question at podcast at reonlocation.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We have Facebook now. That's true. I forgot to mention that. We made a Facebook page. But you can contact us by Messenger through Facebook. I hope you guys found this helpful. Thanks for your help, Melody. No problem, Rob. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.